Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, of course, Brad Gray, and this is episode number 13. For this episode, I did something a little bit different, and and something that I hope was beneficial for you. In this episode, I read a lengthy passage from one of my absolute favorite books of all time, Horatius Bonar's The Story of Grace. What you find in The Story of Grace is really as real a discussion about the grace of God that can ever be found, really. And certainly there are, you know, a slew of books on grace at your local local Christian bookstores. You can find them all over the shelves. Whole sections probably even devoted to works upon works that delve into this quote-unquote doctrine, you know, from almost every perspective. But what many modern books lack, and where Horatius shines, is a level of just practical realism and dexterity that is sincere and genuine, that reveres the grace of God. There's a reverence for God throughout the whole book, not just exaggerated freedom being expounded upon for page on page. Bonar's The Story of Grace is a rather short book, but it is filled to the brim with pure, unadulterated grace. And such is the passage that I recite here. This section is from chapter 6, which is entitled, Where the Story of Grace Was First Told. And I'm sure you'll be greatly, greatly encouraged by it. Today's show is sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, helping readers make a deeper connection with the Word of God and inspiring lifelong discipleship. Learn more by going to csbible.com. Now, for the story of grace. It was first told in Eden, in the very place where man had broken in upon the story of goodness. It was indeed afterwards to be told out of Eden, for man was to be driven forth, and the gate closed against him. It was to be told all over the earth, to every creature that is under heaven, But still it was first to be told in Eden. There man had sinned, and there he was to be forgiven. There man had sinned, and there he was to be forgiven. There he had provoked God, and there he was to learn how God could be gracious to even such a rebel. It was not till he had finished the story of grace that he drove out the man. This is striking and full of meaning. It is not after the manner of men. 
No stroke of punishment is to fall on the sinner. No rod of chastisement is to be laid upon him till he has learned the gracious character of that God whom he had so strangely disobeyed. This of itself is grace. Not only is the message a loving one, but the manner, the tone, the time, the place of its delivery all concur in testifying to the love that it contains. They heighten and enhance the love to which man is now called on to listen. It would indeed have been grace anywhere. Though spoken in a dungeon or in a desert, it would still have been grace. Grace such as man could not have looked for, yet beyond a measure precious and suitable. Still, when meeting him upon the very spot where the deed of evil had been done, it wore an aspect of yet deeper mercy. The whole scene bore witness to man's guilt and to the provocation God had received. God could appeal to each object that stood in view and say, What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Yet it was here that God revealed forgiveness to the sinner. In the place where all the evidences of his guilt hung around, there mercy overtook him and made known itself to him. What tenderness is here? But besides, thus man's mouth was closed. He could not palliate his guilt by pleading unsupplied wants or unkindly circumstances. He did indeed try to throw the blame upon the woman and threw her upon God, but he could go no farther. He could not say, Thou hast been to me a wilderness and a land of darkness. He could not say, Thou hast placed me in most adverse circumstances. Thou hast given me naught but a desert to dwell in and a cold sky for my covering. He had no ground for such excuses. And the place where he stood, listening to the voice of God, prevented him from making the attempt. What iniquity hast thou found in me, that thou hast gone far from me, might have been God's words to him. What have I done to deserve all this at thy hands? Is this thy kindness to thy friend? Thus grace meets him on the very spot where he stood as a sinner. It takes him just as it finds him, not only a sinner, but trying to cover his sin and hastening away from God in order to be beyond the reach of his eye. It comes up to him as he stands. It does not wait, but hastens to meet him. It does not proclaim itself afar off, but places itself at his very side. It does not require him to come so much of the way to meet it. It goes the whole way to meet him. It does not call upon him to move one step till he has first taken hold of him. It does not insist upon his obtaining some qualification, some fitness, by throwing off as much of his guilt as he can. It asks for no qualification. It offers to take the whole mass of his guilt at once into its own hand and to dispose of it in its own way. Such was the fullness, such was the absolute freeness of that grace which was now announced to him in Eden. And thus has it ever been since. In the place of our sin, grace meets us. Nay, only there. It was in the land of the Chaldees, the place of his idolatry, that the grace of God met Abraham. He did not come out of Chaldea in order that he might meet with God afterwards in Haran. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dealt in Charon. 
It was only on the way to Damascus, breathing out slaughter against the saints, that the grace of God met with Saul. It was to the woman caught in the act of sin that the Lord spoke the words of such marvelous grace. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. It was in the prison of Philippi, the scene of his hard-heartedness and cruelty to the saints, that the grace of God found the poor heathen jailer and made him to rejoice in God that very night with all his house. It was to the sinners of Jerusalem that the gospel was to be first proclaimed, that on the very spot where the deed of infinite guilt had been done, their grace might find the doers and tell its glad story in their ears. You see, grace does not stand upon the distant mountaintop and call the sinner to climb up the steep heights that he may obtain its treasures. It comes down into the valley in quest of him. Nay, it stretches down its hand into the very lowest depths of the horrible pit to pluck him thence out of the miry clay. It does not offer to pay the ninety and nine talents if he will pay the remaining one. It provides payment for the whole. Whatever the sum may be, it does not offer to complete the work. If he will only begin it by doing what he can, it takes the whole work in hand from first to last, presupposing his total helplessness. It does not bargain with the sinner that if he will throw off a few sins and pour forth some efforts after better things, it will step in and relieve him of the rest by forgiving and cleansing him, it comes up to him at once, with nothing short of complete forgiveness as the starting point of all his efforts to be holy. It does not say, go and sin no more, and I will not condemn thee. It says, at once, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Indeed, otherwise it would not be grace. But a miserable mixture of grace and merit, a compound of God's doings and man's deservings. If grace does not meet the sinner just where he stands, just as he is, in all his helplessness and guilt, it is no grace to him. For it still leaves an impassable gulf between, a gulf which he has no means to fill up or to cross. If grace wait for anything to be done or felt by man before it will go forth to him, it will wait forever. If it had waited till Adam came out of the thicket and began to seek after God again, it would never have revealed itself at all. If it had waited till Saul had ceased to hate the master and persecute the disciple, it would never have reached him. If it had waited till Jerusalem had somewhat purged itself from the innocent blood which it had shed, no gospel would ever have been heard within its walls. Grace of this kind would have been but a mockery to man. If it hang upon some condition to be previously fulfilled, if it insists upon some qualification to be previously obtained, it comes in vain to the sinner. Nay, it gives him a stone instead of bread. It points to an ark whose door is shut against him. It tells him of a city of refuge to which he can have no access. But the grace of God that met Adam in Eden was not such as this. It met him as a sinner and only as such, it dealt with him as a sinner, and not after he becomes something better. This was the only grace that could suit the case of man. It was the only grace that was worthy of God. If there be any pardon with God, says one of another age, it is such as becomes him to give 
When he pardons, he will abundantly pardon. Go with your half-forgiveness, your limited conditional pardons, with reserves and limitations unto the sons of men. It may become them. It is like themselves. That of God is absolute and perfect, before which our sins are as a cloud before the east wind and the rising sun. Hence, he is said to do this work with his whole heart and with his whole soul. Such is the grace that is still going forth to us. It is absolutely and unconditionally free. It comes up to us where we stand. It finds us in a desert land and in a waste howling wilderness. And there it does its work with us. That was chapter 6 of Dr. Ratius Bonar's The Story of Grace. Just a little selection from the book. I hope it gives you a taste of what you can find in this book. You can find it on Google Books, and I think you might be able to find it on Amazon, too. This is a wonderful book that really goes into the depths, into the glorious majesty of God's marvelous grace to us. As Bonar says, a grace that comes to meet us on the very spot where we sin. I trust this was an encouragement to you. I know I am always greatly uplifted every time I read a passage from Horatius Bonar. Be sure to check out the show notes for a slew of links and resources to read more from him. And that's it for today's entry of the Ministry Minded Podcast. Thanks so much for sticking with me and listening along. If you like what you just heard, um, be sure to follow the show on Twitter, and you can also subscribe to the show on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Thanks again to the Christian Standard Bible for sponsoring the show. And thank you as always for listening and commenting and subscribing. I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings.